our future. And I want to bring a message today that I believe is the key to Christianity. He says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. My wife and I have been on this Christian journey now for over 50 years. And uh, I have concluded a few things uh, from my experience. And I've heard it said that a man that had an experience is never at the mercy of a man who wants to argue. And uh, I know for sure what I have experienced over the past 50 years and throughout my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to share my conclusion today on believing the Lord Jesus Christ and his word. There's a conclusion to that, which I think is really the building of the Christian life. And Jesus told a parable that, that uh, the series that Pastor Chris used uh, in building a Christian life, that, that Jesus told a parable that the Christian life is like building a house. And I built many of them. I restored many of them. Built three church buildings, three new houses. Renovated a number of them. But I want to go to a familiar passage of Scripture, which is a parable. Remember, a parable is a lifelike story that has a spiritual implication to it. Jesus told stories that really had a spiritual meaning to it. And this is a familiar uh, parable, and it's usually named the wise and foolish builder. We're going to go there. Matthew chapter 7 beginning in verse 24. Remember, Jesus is telling this story. He says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. So the wise man built his house on the rock. And the Bible declares in many places that that rock is Jesus Christ himself. But Luke's gospel, who tells the same story, gives us a little more insight about the wise man. In verse 24 of Luke 7, it says, He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. The wise man dug deep, meaning that he was very serious about finding a foundation to build his house on. And uh, 
The only successful Christians around are those who are serious about following Jesus. Someone who's willing to dig deep. This man dug deep and he found rock. Well, when he found rock, he came to a conclusion that there's nothing better now to build my house on than this. In other words, it's no sense in me digging anymore. I found the foundation, the rock, which is the best thing that I can come up with to build my house on. And, and really, every believer must come to the same conclusion. When you find Jesus, who is the rock, there's nothing else that I can build my life on than this rock. And, uh, and if we try to build it on any other foundation, and, uh, and those other foundations, like being religious, thinking just because you are religious and you do things that your house is going to stand. No, it's got to be built on a rock. You, you have to dig deep enough to where you find that rock and say, this is my life now that I'm going to build my life on this rock. The book of Psalms, King David refers to the Lord as his rock over 20 times. But there's one psalm that echoes the Christian experience, and it's Psalm 40, verse 2. It says, He also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay. He set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. He put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. That's the Christian experience. I don't know about you, that was me. He pulled me up out of the miry clay, out of a horrible pit, and he put my feet upon a rock, which is Christ Jesus, and I began to build my life. And putting this message together reminded me, 50 years ago, church was a little different than what we have today. We used to sing out of the hymn book. How's Sister Darnell? Remember the church got all mad at me when I took the hymn books out? They came and was looking for a hymn book. I said, no, we ain't, ain't going to use that no more. There's nothing wrong with it. There's reasons why we don't do it anymore. But, you know, even though the outward appearance of the church has changed, the truth of God's word never changes. The church can change its things the way they do things, but the word of God never changes. The message never changes. We have to preach what God says. But there was a hymn we used to sing, and it was, it was titled, My Hope is Built on Nothing Less. And it goes like this. The first verse says, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. The core... On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. So I titled the message today, Building a House of Hope. You know, the Bible concludes the rock foundation is Jesus Christ himself, which the wise man in the parable is building his house on. Now we know the emphasis in this parable is on the rock, but I've never heard a message on what the house looks like. 
Say, yo, we got to build, you, if you're going to build your house, you got to build it on a rock. But what in the world does the house look like that we're building? We've already concluded there's no other foundation we can build on. That's great. We got that. But what does the house look like? And this is a revelation I believe the Lord has given me. Uh, and I've never really heard a message on what does the house look like. Before God called me to preach this gospel, I was in a beauty school business. And when I had the opportunity to buy into this business, I didn't have the money. I had to sell my house and everything I owned to do it. Uh, I prayed that if the Lord would allow me to get into that business, that those beauty schools would be his school. And that I would represent him in them, and I did. And I led many uh, people to Christ uh, because I promised the Lord I would do it, and he allowed me to do it. But we had one of our schools in New Orleans. One of the students was a transsexual. And uh, I had to spend time on a clinic floor when the students were cutting hair. I would walk up and down to see if they needed any help or what have you. But this transsexual, my wife remembers uh, her. Her name was Heather. I mean, she was fiery. And uh, I was walking up the aisle, and as I passed her, she shouted out to me in front of everybody. She says, hey, Carl. I turned around. She says, you know that Jesus that you're preaching is nothing but a crutch for you. That's what she said. And I turned around. In a second, this is the Holy Ghost. I said, Heather, you are absolutely right. Jesus is a crutch that I lean on. But that crutch just so happens to be a rock. And it don't move. I said, what you're leaning on, sinking sand. And all of a sudden, the place got quiet. You're going to come under attack, and there's no doubt about it. And, and I have. But that school was God's school, and I led many people to Christ. And, you know, uh, what you're leaning on matters. And that's why your foundation has to be the rock. And that was my story then, back over 40 years ago. It's still my story today, that Jesus is the rock. And my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. There's a scripture in Ephesians that I believe fits us all. It's Apostle Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12. It says, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. That was me 50 years ago. I was in this world without hope. And without God in my life, 
What a terrible place to be, to be in a world that is so crazy and you have no hope, you have God, you don't have God, you have no hope, but yet you got to live in this place not knowing what tomorrow is going to even bring to you. And that was all of us at one time. Maybe it's still your place today, but you don't have to stay there. That we were without hope and without God in the world. What a place to be. Jesus begins the parable by saying to those who were listening how they ought to build their house. In verse 24, it says, Therefore, who hears these words of mine, puts them into practice, is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. I want to speak to you about the wise man and how he built a house of hope. See, every one of us is building a house. Every, every one of us. Whether you know it or not, you're building a house, and that house is your life. And it determines how we build it, determines our destiny. In other words, what our future is going to be. Determines on what we're building and how we're building it. Not only for this life, but for eternity. I, I tell people all the time, when I got saved over 50 years ago, I had heaven on my mind. And I still do. In fact, it's more in my mind now than it's ever been. But how we build our house makes a difference. It makes a difference between success and failure, between life and death, between reward and loss, between acceptance and rejection, between standing and falling, between heaven and hell. We should be building a house of hope. And the definition of hope is this. A feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. This is our life. I got to live every day of my life expecting something good to happen. I don't live my, my life thinking something bad is going to happen to me every day. I don't, I don't live that way. Don't want to live that way. I got to believe that every day my future, God's already has it for me. I'm going to live it in hope, expecting what's coming is going to be good for me. See, hope is always in the future. A house of hope is building for the future. This is what Paul says in Romans chapter 8 about hope. In verse 24, he says, For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is not hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not have, we wait for it patiently. So if we are going to build a house of hope, which is on the foundation of the rock, which is Christ Jesus, then you need three essential building materials. Okay, we're going to build a house, okay? But what are you going to, how are you going to build it? Well, we already got the foundation. It's solid. It's, it's rock. We got that. So how are we going to start building? There's three building materials. If you want to build a house of hope, three building materials. They're faith, patience, and endurance. You got this? You got a house that's going to withstand every storm, this world, the devil, or anybody else can bring against you, you'll stand. 
Now, the first one is faith. Faith, we put first layer on the rock. We got the rock. Rock Jesus. Well, we're going to start laying some faith on the rock. So the Word of God gives us the definition of faith, and it's really revelational. Hebrews 11.1, 1, what is faith? Now, faith is the substance of things, what? Hope for. I don't have it yet. I'm still believing God for it. The hope for, the evidence of things not seen. In other words, I know I'm going to get it. That's what faith is about. I know I'm going to get it. It's the evidence of things that are coming to me. So the house we're building by faith consists of things hope for, things that we don't have yet. You say you have faith. Okay, you have it. What are you having faith in? I'm having faith because things are coming to me. Good things are going to come to me. Hebrews 11, 6 it tells us without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. I love that last part there. He, he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So as I seek him, I know that things are going to come. He's going to reward me for the fact that I'm putting faith in him and I'm going after him. And without faith, we can't please God or we can be in right standing with God. The Bible also says in James, without faith, we can't expect to receive anything from God. So faith is believing that God's going to bring things to me. And I can't do it without faith. I'm not going to get it without faith. Faith shows me that God is who he is because he's going to bring them to me. So how do we build our house of hope with faith? Well, Jesus tells us in the parable, therefore, anyone who hears the words of mine, that's why you need to hear the word of God. You need to hear preaching. You need to hear teaching. You need to read your word. You need to hear God speaking his words to you because you got to hear them first before I can put them into practice. i got to hear them. We put faith in his words. When we hear them, then we put faith in them by obeying them. Then we put faith in them by putting them into practice. We put faith. Remember, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So this house of hope, we're building. I don't have it yet. Why haven't we seen it yet? It says, but for uh Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Why are they not seen? Because they're yet to come. You mean I'm going to I'm I'm have my whole life believing in things that I don't have yet? Yes, but they're coming. Why? Because I have evidence of it. I have evidence. My faith is telling me that God's got good things for me, not, not bad things for me. We're building this house of hope for the future now. What is the future now? The future now is my next second, next hour, next day. It's coming. That's my future. And, and I'm building my life, my house on the rock by faith, believing that God has good things for me. Future in our life is in front of us. 
Everything that is before us is on its way. That's how I have to live my life. And uh, hope is an expectation of better things ahead. The moment I became born again, I, I, when I got off my knees, I realized something, and I, I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but I realized that the condition I was in at age 27, long-haired, dope-smoking hippie, resulted from the house that I was building. See, it was a life of sin that I was living in that caused me to be in a condition that I was in at age 27. And I realized it was the materials that I was using to build my house. Well, what materials was I using? Well, I was using materials from the world system. I was using the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and a pride of life. And they all caused me from building that type of house to be in a condition that I was in. And I realized that if I began building and using the materials God tells me to use on the foundation, which is Jesus Christ, who changed me, who gave me a new life, that things were going to be different. And I want to tell you, blessings began to flow immediately. And I tell people all the time, you come to Jesus, things will happen immediately. <laughs> the blessings are going to start coming immediately as soon as you put your faith in the foundation of the rock. I had peace I never had before. The load of guilt and shame, sin was gone. I was forgiven, I was cleansed, I was lightened up. My load was lightened up, everything. And because of Jesus' blood and his righteousness that came to me. And the Lord and my family became my priority. The Lord began to prosper me in my profession. The, the life that I hoped for when I first came to Christ was forming up and still continuing, not ending yet. And uh, so the first building material we got to put on the foundation of rock is Christ. Is faith. Faith is a substance of things hoped for. Now, we got that. We got Jesus as the rock foundation. The next thing we'll lay on that is faith, okay? After faith, the next building material is patience. Building upon the rock takes time, takes commitment, it takes energy. We have to deny ourselves. We got to give up laziness. We got to apply ourselves ever so diligently. Remember the wise man? He dug deep. When you dig deep, it don't happen with one shovel. You got to keep digging. You got to keep digging. You got to keep digging. You got to put energy in there for it to come to pass. But what is the definition of patience? Here it is. The quality of being patient as the bearing of provocation, annoyance, misfortune, or pain without complaint 
loss of temper, irritation, or the like. An ability or willingness to suppress restlessness or annoyance when confronted with delay. It's hard for us Americans. We want it fast. You want to run through the drive-up window? You don't want to wait behind nobody? You don't want to do anything? You want to get a prescription at Walgreens? You got to stay in line. You got to wait. Who wants to do that? See, if we're hoping for what's in the future, if faith is the substance of things hoped for, we don't have them yet, then I got to be patient. We got to be patient, wait on God's timing. Abraham, which is our father of faith, he was a prime example of waiting. It's an amazing story. God promised Abraham, God called him out of his country. He said, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. Uh, uh, he said, I'm going to give you a son. He was 75 years old when God promised him. His wife was 65. She was past childbearing stages. He was 75. God said, you're going to have a son. And from that son, you're going to have a multitude of people and nations. Everything's going to come out of that son. Okay, that was great. He was 75 years old. His wife laughed that she was going to have a baby. He was 75. She was 65. The baby didn't come until Abraham was 100. You got that? He's our father of faith. God said, you're going to have a son. Okay, that's great. I'm 75 years old. When is it coming? It came when he was 100. His wife was 90. It came. See, he had faith to believe it. He never wavered. The Bible says he, he never wavered. The older he got, <coughs> you think you, your faith is say, whoa, it's getting too, too bad now. I'm 90 years old. When, when is this coming? He still had faith that what God said was going to come true. So our father of faith waited 25, he was already old, already old. He waited 25 years for the son. Look what the book of Isaiah says about waiting in Isaiah 40, 31. It said, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. See, he knew the promise God made him concerning the son in Isaac. And he said, in Isaac, your seed shall be called. I want to tell you one of my, my personal experiences of faith, uh, being patient. My wife and I pioneered our first church back in 1981 in River Ridge. We started in a school cafeteria, and uh, God blessed us. Uh, we had again, getting people saved right from day one. Uh, we we bought property on Jefferson Highway. Was with the Assemblies of God at the time. I built a brand new building five years later. Uh, it was around 19, I think uh, 1989. 
I received a call from a secretary at the Tabernacle in Chalmette. I was pastoring here in River Ridge. She called me. She happened to be my sister-in-law. And uh, she called me. The pastor wanted her to call me to go preach in Chalmette. I accepted it, okay? When I got off the phone with my sister-in-law, supernaturally, the Lord spoke to me and said, you're going to pastor the church in Chalmette, Assembly of God, Tabernacle in Chalmette. I heard it. I'm telling you I heard it, okay? And God proved it to me. I went and told my wife. I said, let me tell you this. I said, I just got off the phone with your sister. God spoke to me that I'm going to become the, the pastor of the Assembly of God Tabernacle. And she said, what in the world did my sister tell you to make you think such a thing? I said, she didn't tell me anything. I just accepted going to preach there. I said, but I'm telling you this. So when the time comes, you're going to know it's God. Okay. Well, six weeks later, I was scheduled to preach there. I went and preached. We had a good service. And what have you, the pastor takes us out to eat. And uh, believe me, the only people that know anything about this is me and my wife. I heard from God, told her. We're sitting at the table. We finish eating at Piccadilly's on, on Paris Road. As we're getting up to leave, the pastor, out of the blue, turns to me and says, Brother Carl, would you be interested in taking this church if I left? I said, Brother, God has already talked to me about it. He says, all right, I'll be in touch with you. Well, he never got in touch with me. But ever since that happened, the Lord started turning my heart away from the church that I pioneered. He started telling, he started giving me a, a yearning to go into Chalmette and pastor that church. Well, Nine months later, the pastor left, and uh, the board member, which was my brother-in-law, called me up. He says, call. He says, uh, Pastor Walker resigned. He said, we need a pastor. He said, would you be interested in coming? And I told him. I said, I said Howard, God has already spoken to me. Okay, well, we're going to interview you. Okay. Now. How does that happen? What is the chances of that happening? Huh? Billion to one? Out of the blue? Everything started coming together? So, they started interviewing me. I said, well, hey, I heard from God supernaturally. This thing started happening. My heart was turning from my church, so I resigned my church. Church I built. Had my children there, everything. And because I felt like a hypocrite, I said, I don't belong here no more. I, I got to go on. God called me to go on. So I resigned my church. Well, come to find out, after they interviewed me, they interviewed some other people, they took somebody else. So now I'm out of a church, I'm out of a job. Wait a second. Didn't I hear from God? Didn't he show me that this thing with the wheels were rolling here? Well, didn't he show me all these things? How does all this happen? So I'm without a job, without a church. Went to work for my brother, vending company. 
But the burden never left me. My wife can tell you. I said, I'm a preacher. What am I doing working out here? I'm a preacher. I got a calling on my life. And for almost two years, it never left. My wife said, why don't you look for other churches? They got churches that need pastors. So I can't do it. And about two years later, things started happening. The church I was going to in Slidell, the pastor wanted me to promise him that I'd stick with him for a few years and he would send me out and start another church. I said, I can't commit to anything right now. I said, I have a burden to go to Chalmette. He said, well, I haven't heard that Brother Duck, that was the pastor's name, is leaving. I said, I haven't heard he's leaving either. All I'm telling you is I can't do anything until this thing lifts. Well, believe it or not, two years later, they call me again. They call me again now. But what I'm telling you is that I heard from God a word. I believed it because he started bringing the evidence of this thing. And I had to wait two years. I remember we built a new house in Slide L on the water. I mean, we were, my brother was treating me right. And, but I still had a calling on my life. It wasn't, and I remember we, was, we, we had a three-story house on the water. I'm sitting out on the, on the screen porch looking over water, drinking iced tea, just having a great time. I told my wife, I said, I can't sit here anymore. I said, there's people going to hell out there. I'm, I'm a preacher. I can't sit here. I can't sit here. And it wasn't long after that the church called me again, and they took me that time. When they called me, I told her, pack your bag. You're going to shout me. It's the greatest thing that ever happened. In ministry, but what I want to tell you is that when God shows you something, you got to be patient. It don't always happen the time we want it to happen or the way it happens. The way it happens is just incredible, but it happened. So here we are. That if you're here today and you're waiting on God for something, I want to tell you something. If you're impatient. Let me tell you what you have to do. This is what the, the Lord has given us his Holy Spirit for. To have patience in waiting. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. Why? Because we have to wait on God sometime. And it's going to take the Holy Ghost in you <laughs> to be able to wait. So if you're impatient today, you might be waiting on something for God. You might be impatient right now. I'm telling you, what you need is more of God's presence in your life. See, when God's presence in your life, then the, the timing or how it's going to happen really doesn't matter. I got his presence in me. I'm wait because you see the Bible says by me waiting on the Lord I'm gonna gain strength 
just like Abraham. Didn't Abraham do it? Abraham waited. He waited 25 years. How do you know his faith got strengthened? How do we know? Well, the Bible tells us. Because 25 years he waited for this child and he got it, he rejoiced. But when that child grew up, God says, I want you to take the child you, you waited 25 years for. Now I want you to take him up on the mountain. I want you to kill him. I want you to put him on the altar and kill him. He waited 25 years for him. Then when he got it, God said, yeah, take him up. Yeah, take him up. I want you to sacrifice him to me. So here we got, we got the rock foundation. We're laying faith on top of the rock. Now we got to put patience on top of that. And the third thing, the third thing is endurance. Okay, we got that. We got the rock. We got faith. Now we got patience. Now we got to put endurance on the top of that. Now, what is the, what is endurance all about? So Abraham's faith was strengthened because he waited on the Lord to answer him and give him a child. And because he waited, his faith got strengthened because when he got the child, the child grew up. Don't know exactly how old uh, Isaac was. Could have been around 12 years old because he was carrying some wood for the, can you imagine that? He was carrying some wood to be sacrificed. <laughs> but Abraham was willing to put the son that he waited for for 25 years on the altar. He had the knife up. He already killed him. That's what the scripture says. You know, the Lord stopped him. The Lord just wanted to see if he'd do it. But, but, but Isaac was dead. The knife went up. He was coming down. The Lord said, hold up, look over here, got something for you. But the fact that he was willing to sacrifice his son on the altar, Hebrews eleven seventeen 17 says, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. In other words, Abraham was like God. Abraham was like God. He was willing to sacrifice his only begotten son, okay? And he said, because in Isaac your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead from which he also received him in a figurative sense. So Abraham's faith, which caused him to wait 25 years for Isaac to be born, was strengthened by waiting. So you have to realize Faith is always believing on what's coming. It's the substance of things hoped for. This is the secret to Christian living. 
I'm living a life that is going to be great for me. It's going to be better than any other way you could do it. You say, well, I don't know. I'm having trouble. Well, trouble's good for you. Trouble's good for you. I've had plenty. It's good for you if you're standing on the rock. You ain't standing on the rock, you're going down. If you're standing on the rock, trouble's good for you. Storms are good for you. Tribulation's good for you. Persecution's good for you. Because <laughs> it's going to make you stronger. So Abraham's faith that it caused him to wait 25 years was strengthened. Why? Because storms are going to come. They will come. Not if they come. They're going to come. The Bible says those who want to live godly are going to be persecuted. You want to live godly? You're going to be persecuted. People are going to come after you. We need endurance to stand up in the storms. What is the definition of endurance? Well, the, the, the dictionary says it's the fact or power of enduring or bearing pain, hardships, etc. It's the ability of strength to continue or last, especially despite fatigue, stress, or other adverse conditions. Stamina. Let me tell you something. See this Christian life? It ain't for wimps. You, you can't be a wimpy person and go out there and profess to be a Christian because they're going to kill you. In fact, they're coming against Christians now. It's just a matter of time. You, you, better, be, you better be a real man or woman of God if you're going to go out there in that world and let people know you're a follower of Jesus Christ. You better know what you're talking about, and you better be standing on the rock because they're going to come after you. See, the whole idea of Jesus telling that parable was the fact that we got to build our house of hope to face storms. No matter what's coming to us, we have to believe God. See, because they're going to come, and when we endure them, that's when we become stronger. My faith now, after 50 years of living for Christ, my faith is strong now. I, I, I don't know what else I can face outside of somebody putting a gun to my head. I don't know what else I can face that, that God has gotten me through. I've done it. We faced sickness. My wife had open heart surgery. I had throat cancer. We had hard times financially, struggled this, been attacked in churches by people. What? Bring it on. I pastored four churches, started three of them. I faced many storms personally and in the ministry. In fact, some of the people we helped the most hurt us the worst okay. They did it to Jesus. They did it to Jesus. They're going to do it to us. My wife and I both doing storms, trials, hardships always held on to this scripture in Romans 8 28. It says, For we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. 
For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. How we're going to be conformed? You're going to face trials. You're going to face tribulations. You're going to go through storms in life. And by faith and patience in God and endurance, you get changed. See? Faith is going to be tested. That's that's the only good faith there is, is one that's been tested. That's why the gray-headed guys like me, you got to listen sometimes. I've already been there, done that. I didn't look like this when I first got here. I had black hair. We got to believe that if we love the Lord and we hear his words and we do them, that everything we face, faith now, is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I told we had uh, a leadership Christmas thing last night, and I told them that if I knew my life would end up like this, I'd do it all over again. I'll go through the trials. I'll go through the tribulations. I'll go through the hardship. If I knew I would end up the way I am today, I'd do it all over again. Because I am who I am. My wife is who she is because of what we went through. You see, it's what we go through that makes us conform to the image of Christ. A house of hope. What kind of house you building? I want to ask you, what kind of materials are you using? Can't use stuff out there. You can't use the things of the world. You can't use the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. You can't use that. It won't stand. When the storms come, it won't stand. You got to use faith. You got to use patience. You got to use endurance. Jesus said, therefore, who hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on a rock. Are we being wise today or are we being foolish? If you haven't given your heart and life to Jesus Christ, then you're building on the wrong you're building on the wrong foundation. Hallelujah. Bow your heads with me.